Welcome to the Books on Air podcast. I'm Suzanne Harris, and my listeners get the secret story behind every book. Joining me today is Elizabeth Chapman, and she's here to talk about her book, The Tradition of the Path, A Modern Practice of Witchcraft. Elizabeth, welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. This is so interesting. I can't wait to talk with you. Now, you have a co-author. It, you wrote the book along with Sue Weber. Tell me how this, how this book came into being and how you and Sue worked together. Okay. Well, we have been practicing witchcraft together for almost 20 years, and it seemed like we have collected a lot of stuff and kind of figured out how we practice and how we look at the universe and so on. And we decided that maybe it was time to share that with some other people who could maybe be introduced to what we do or disagree with what we do and just enjoy the world knowing that we're out there. Well, I know that at first you really didn't want to write this book. You say that in the introduction. (laughs) And the universe sort of said, uh, hello, yes, I think you need to write this book. So what pushed you and Sue forward to go ahead and do this? Well, as I said, the universe kind of bangs me over the head with what we jokingly refer to as the cosmic two by four, <laughs> when I'm supposed to pay attention to what I'm supposed to do. And when we sat down and started organizing everything, we realized we really had a lot of stuff. And the biggest part was trying to figure out how to combine it into a book that may, would make sense for people to read and put information out there that would allow people to learn about us or use the information in their own practices. Well, several things struck me about the book. First of all, it's 332 pages. This is crammed with information. And secondly, which one of you is the poet? At the end of each one of the sections, there's in bold print sort of a summary of what was covered in the section, but the wording is very different. It's It flows very differently, and it's very beautifully written. It doesn't rhyme, but it's almost poetic. Who wrote that? That was actually me. I'll plead guilty. Wow. Um it's, it's, when you look at it all together, um, it's in the book as well, under the creed of the path. And it's, for one, one of a better word, it's kind of a summary of all of our beliefs and all of our practices kind of boiled down to its most basic. So that if we were to give it to somebody to read, somebody asks us, well, what do you guys believe and do? We could hand them that to start with and say, okay, this is it at its most basic level. What do you want to know from here? Okay. And yes, we did. The book actually wrote itself in terms of being divided up into those sections. <laughs> because we had the creed first, and then everything we wrote kind of, okay, this goes with this, this goes with this. And it all, literally, once we wrote all that part where you were talking about the poem, everything had a spot. Well, your, your verbiage, you're quite good with words it's uh, it struck me i i'm a former english teacher so when i came to that i thought oh and i started reading and i sort of looked forward after that to each one of those at the end of each section now let's give the listeners 
some ideas about what's in the book. And I think that one of the things you really need to talk about is to define witchcraft in terms of what you guys mean. Because you and I both know that when someone hears that word, there are all kinds of images and and things that mm-hmm. come into their heads. So what's the definition that you're using for witchcraft in this book? Okay, we think of it in terms of we develop relationships with the energies around us, things like the elements and the old gods and the ancestors. And we work with that energy with their permission, obviously. And we create rituals and magic. And the ending goal of all of that is our own personal spiritual growth and development. We're not out there to convince other people that they should be doing what we're doing. We don't cast spells where people are going to lose their free will, which is always a big, you know, (laughs) if you watch TV witches and so on, they tend to take over people. We don't do that. We're just quietly trying to become better people. And it seems to work for us. I think all of this got started, you know, so long ago when actually people were healers. They actually knew about herbs and they actually Mm -hmm. helped make people better. And then all of a sudden the Salem witch trials came along and everything changed. You know, it's very interesting. Now, one of the images that you use that's a strong one is the path that's in your title. Tell me what Mm -hmm. that means. Okay. For us, we are walking a path. We honestly believe that every human being has an internal spark of divine. You can call it a soul, a spirit, whatever you want, that kind of longs to connect with the grand divine of the universe, which we don't name because it's so far beyond human understanding that you can't. But everybody has that desire, and everybody has to find their own way to make that connection. And it can be one of the monotheistic religions, it could be witchcraft, it could be whatever you want to call it. We call it the path because we think we are heading in that direction. At least we're hopeful (laughs) because you never really know. But the idea that we have somewhere to go, and that's why we call it the path. And we originally, you know, called it our own spiritual path kind of thing. And then we, we realized that what we're doing is we are creating a path. Yeah. I mean, we we all are in a way because we're all walking down the path of life. And so that that image really resonated with me. I understood it immediately and had a mental image of a path. It's just sort of interesting that that happened. Um, The book is basically divided into four parts. Let's give a little bit of an overview of those four parts. Okay. Well, first is what we call metaphysical kernels of thought, which is a fancy way of saying, okay, this is what we think about various topics that are witchcraft-related and energy-related and practice-related. And they're not super long. (laughs) I think there's 72 or 73 of them, something like that. And they're divided up so that people can go in and read in little chunks about what we do. Um, We've also included a whole bunch of some of our rituals, which people are free to use, take parts of to use, enjoy, just read if they want, so that people can actually see what we do. You know, they can read what we're doing out there in the backyard or in the park or whatever and recognize, no, we're not out there trying to take over the world. There's a brief part where we have included some of our liturgy, which we use as parts of our rituals, as prayers, as individuals, and we're uh, we're actually creating a liturgy book 
at the moment that has all of it in it because we just did a sampling. Otherwise, the book would have been even bigger. <laughs> and then lastly, we tend to work a lot with crystals and stones and their energies, and we included some of our associations for those. So that's kind of the book in a nutshell. Now, you also have eight core beliefs that you talk about. Yes, we do. See, I really did read this. I really do know. (laughs) I appreciate that. It's wonderful to see. And I'm glad you enjoyed the book as well. We do. We have, um, that's kind of where it all started is we, as part of our practice, we regularly go through and kind of check our beliefs for ourselves. You know, does this still work for us? Because if we believe as spiritual people, we're constantly growing and changing. So that we want to make sure that what we believe today still works for what we believe last week and next week and tomorrow kind of thing. So that we have kind of distilled it down to, like you said, those eight core beliefs, including uh, we work with the divine. We work with the old the energy of what we call the old gods. And um, those are the gods that have always kind of been around in various cultures under various names for a better, you know, for a better idea. Um, we truly value balance. You know, you, I, we honestly believe that there, that the whole light, dark, good, evil doesn't work. It's just the points in between and you have to have both because you can't appreciate one without the other. And, um, we work with the yearly solar cycle, many pagans and witches practice in terms of celebrating the changing seasons for another better way of putting it, and we do solstices and equinoxes, and we also have what are called, we call cross-quarter times, and some people celebrate those as specific days, and we tend to celebrate them as seasons in between each other where things change, and we believe that obviously the world itself and all space is sacred, and that there are actually spirits of place that we choose to call genus loci that can that may choose to work with us or not, depending on their mood, because we don't always want to practice either. <laughs> so why should the energies, you know, and it kind of works out from there. You know, one thing that struck me as I was reading is the flow. I know that we talked about flow earlier and the mm-hmm. idea about how the year flows, how the energies flow, the moon, mm-hmm. you know, it, all the cycles really struck me as I started to read through this. And I thought, yeah, because you could see how the energies change and how it's different. Mm-hmm. And you also have a big discussion about the four elements plus one, which I thought was very interesting as well. Mm-hmm. I think so. Um, we believe that there are four basic physical elements, air, fire, water, earth. And they kind of, I think it's kind of descended from the ancient, the ideas come from the ancient Greek. And those, when you think about it, all of those energies combine to make everything in the natural world around us. And when we work with them, we have to put our spirit into it or we are not going to be able to create anything. And I think for the universe itself, that's the, the divine is truly the creator because who, whatever it is, male, female, we don't think of it in those terms, um, puts their creative energy into constantly creating a changing universe. So we work to kind of get into that flow of energies, as you put it, to create change within ourselves. It's just so interesting. I find this just the the book itself is quite thought provoking. And there were so many new words and new ideas for me 
in the book. For me, whenever I do these interviews, there's a quote for me from Oliver Wendell Holmes that sort of drives almost everything that I do. Oliver Wendell mm-hmm. Holmes once said, the human mind, once stretched to a new idea, never returns to its original dimensions. And I'm one of those people, I, I, I'm like a sponge. I like to absorb new ideas and new ways of thinking and, you know, sort of reach out. And this book was a thought provoker because you gave me new in, new words, new ways to think about things. And thanks. I mean, I think you did a really nice job with this. You and Sue did a great job. Well, thank you. One of the reasons we wrote the book is, as you said, there are so many misconceptions about witchcraft out there. Right. And by putting out what we think about things and letting people see that we're not really that different than anybody else, you know, we are. We want to have spiritual growth. We want to, as you said, stretch to new ideas and new ways of doing things. And I think we're reconnecting with these energies allows us to kind of reconnect with the world itself. I think that's one of the problems with modern society and the problems with climate change and all of that is that we're not connected like we used to be. When you think about, you know, thousands of years ago or even hundreds of years ago, people were much more aware of the changing seasons and the cycles of the moon and the weather and all of that because it was so necessary for survival. And we've kind of lost that, I think, for in a lot of ways. And we're one of the big things we've discovered is we're much more aware of the patterns of nature and the way things flow and change and where the moon is at the moment and all of that kind of stuff than we used to be. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right because let's face it, we can't see the stars in most places. Uh, if you no, live in any kind of, yeah, if if you live in any kind of city, you really can't see the stars. You can see a few. I mean, we live in the in a metropolitan area, and whenever there are you know events that are occurring, I always like to look at those things and see what they look like. But from here, it's very difficult to do because there's so much light pollution. You can't see the heavens. I agree, and I find it interesting that if there's a power blackout, how much brighter the stars are. <laughs> That's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> It's like, oh, those were out there all the time. You know, I think that's one of the best parts of what we do is that we are constantly making these kind of personal discoveries that, oh, things are right there. And we tend to have a lot of what we call synchronicities go on around us, Mm -hmm. where things just kind of line up in a way that, okay, we know we're going in the right direction. And learning how to watch for those and be aware of them and just connecting the dots has been an interesting process sometimes, and other times just a whole bunch of fun. How did you and Sue do research to put the book together? Well, we literally went back over what we think about things, and we have probably 20 years of paper because many witches keep all that stuff. We're inveterate tech rats in that way, I think. <laughs> I am lucky in that mine is mostly on a computer nowadays. Takes <laughs> <laughs> room. <laughs> you know, so that I can find things easier. But it's all there. And we just kind of dove in and looked at, okay, this is where we were. Does this still hold? How has it changed? Where are we now? And a lot of it has been through personal practice. And what a lot of people in the pagan and witchcraft community call personal notices where we just had kind of had what we call confirmation from the universe 
that what we think and what we do is maybe the right thing for us. We're not saying it's right for anybody else, but we want people to have the opportunity to see it and use it if they want. You know, we call it not reinventing the wheel sometimes. That's, that's, <laughs> if, you can go in, if you can go in our book and pull something that you can use rather than spending, you know, a month trying to figure out what do I want to do here and can we do this or is it okay to do this? And one of the things you want people to know is that witchcraft allows us to do whatever in those terms. You know, we we don't have a holy book. We don't have somebody, you know, up in front of us in a church somewhere telling us how to think and believe. And I think one of the biggest things is we have developed a very strong sense of personal ethics of things that are just not okay. We do have morals. We're not, you know, freewheeling people out there. I mean, I'm 62 and a grandmother of seven and Sue is in her late 50s. So we've been doing this a long time. And we have found a way to integrate it into our daily lives so that it is just as valid a religion for us as any of the other ones. And we don't knock anybody else's religion. We are big believers in you find what works for you and go do it. If it makes you happy, you know, we're big on what we, one of our biggest things is what we call mercy and reverence in all things. You have to have the joy and you have to have a a feeling of the sacred at, and often at the same time. Because we have had some glorious mistakes during rituals that have turned into thought provoking and very funny things and discover sometimes that out of those horrible, what we thought was, oh my God, we messed up what we want to do turned into something new and exciting that led us in a different direction. Interesting. Yeah. Who did you have in mind when you wrote this book? Who's your audience? Who are you trying to reach? Okay. Well, first and foremost, anybody who's practicing witchcraft to let people know that we're out here and that we are doing things in this way and compare it to yours. Are we similar? Are we different? And that's wonderful. And hopefully some people who are maybe curious about what we do, you know, and, and have, or, and maybe people who have some misconceptions and if they read what we do, they can recognize that witchcraft is just as valid as the Christian religion, the Muslim religion, the Jewish religion, Hinduism, Buddhism, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that we all share that common goal of wanting to connect with the divine. Good. Good. All right. I'm sure that we have piqued the the interest of our listeners and that they're saying to themselves, okay, where can I find this book? And it's on the big boy. It's on Amazon. And let me give you the specific title and let me do some spelling and let me give you a little direction about how, how to do Amazon. I always worry that there's someone out there. And when I say those words, they go, I've never been to Amazon. I don't know how it works. It's very simple. All you do is put www.amazon.com in the search feature at the top of your computer. Type it in. You almost don't even have to click on it. Your computer almost knows where Amazon is. But you click on it, and it'll take you right to Amazon. Now, the first time that I did that, I looked at that, that home page, and I thought, this is a little overwhelming because there's a lot of stuff. So if you just find the blank box, there's a big, long, rectangular box. Type this into the rectangular box. The Tradition of the Path, P-A-T-H, A Modern Practice of Witchcraft 
by Elizabeth, E-L-I-Z-A-B-E-T-H, Chapman, C-A-J-P-M-A-N, and Sue, S-U, Weber, W-E-B-E-R. If you type that in, the book comes right up. Now, there is a marvelous excerpt. If you look in the upper right-hand corner of that represent, representation of the cover, you'll see two words. You'll see the words, look inside. If you will click on those words, look inside, the book magically opens, if you'll pardon the expression, and you'll get to be able to read. I mean, it's a really good excerpt, and some of the major things that Elizabeth and I have talked about will be covered in that excerpt, and it will give you a really good idea of what the book is about. Now, Elizabeth, I know that there are some other places that our listeners can find the book if they don't want to go to Amazon, and everyone doesn't. Where are some other spots that they could pick it up? Okay, well, our twoyoungcrones.com website, which is spelled two, the number two, and then the word young and crones, which is spelled C-R-O-N-E-S.com. And if you go there, we have a library page, which lists that book that we've been talking about, another book that we published a year or so ago called Crafting a Magical Life, which is daily entries of things you can do or think about or write about or just read um, for the entire year, one each day. And we also publish what we call a monthly monograph, which is maybe 10 or 15 pages long. And they're available very inexpensively also at Amazon, um, which are kind of little books about different things like creating a book of the seen and unseen, which is what many which is called a book of shadows which is kind of a record of what you're up to and why you're doing what you're doing for yourself. And it will let you go to Amazon, write to the book that way. Or if you happen to be in the Rochester, New York area, which is where we are, our books are available at Mystic Treasures on East Main Street. And, you know, I'll bet that if they go to any major bookstore like a Barnes & Noble, that a Barnes & Noble could get the book. Yes, they could. And I think from what I have heard from several people is if you go to barnesandnoble.com and type in the name, the book comes up. So somehow it's available there, too, which is surprising. And I didn't realize it was that kind of out there. (laughs) But yes, it's wonderful. Excellent. Well, now, your website also has some other interesting things on it. You guys are about to start a blog, I believe. Yes, we are. We've been putting that together for a while. We have a whole bunch of posts ready to go. It's currently under construction and should be up, hopefully, if the ghost in the machine will let us within the next couple of weeks. We're on Facebook, where my partner actually does a weekly divination about the upcoming energy using what we call witch stones, which is our own divination system, which we are writing a book about, and we also are creating like oracle cards that people will be able to purchase by the end of the year. So we have a lot of projects in the works. Oh, you do. And you're doing Twitter and Instagram as well. Yes, we are. We are on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Not as much as we could be because, as I said, we're slightly older, so we're not as proficient (laughs) at social media as my grandchildren are. I'm seriously thinking about hiring my 17-year-old to handle our social media for us because she just, you know, points and clicks. I'm one of these. I have I have the computer, I have the phone, and I can do what I want to do. But if I get hung up, I just yell for a grandchild, and they push a button and say, "Here, you're fixed." So it's fun. 
How would they find you on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram? Okay, we are literally uh, the same as the website, the capital, they're the number two, and then Young Crones. We're Easy very enough. Simple. We're lucky. Easy enough. You can find us there. And um, we are talking about putting together a podcast called Coffee and Conversations with Two Young Crones that we are going to be starting right after the first of the year, where you can hear me and my partner kind of bounce some of the ideas of the book around or just talk about witchcraft topics or let you know a little bit about the weather here in Rochester, which is always a surprise. So. <laughs> All we right. have a lot to do. <laughs> you are doing so much. I mean, really, you're just doing so much. This has been so interesting. This is not a topic I had thought about. It's not a topic I knew anything about before I picked up your book. And this has just been such a pleasure to talk to you well, about you. this. One more question. When the listeners become readers, when they purchase a copy of the book, they will not read this book in one sitting, and this is not designed to be read in one sitting. I agree with you in that they'll probably read a bit here and a bit there, but they will they should go through the whole book. This is a book that you would keep and that you would refer back to. What would you like when the person goes through the book, and they close the back cover for the first time after they've gone through everything in the book. What's your and Sue, what do you want them to take away? What's the main idea that you want them to leave with? Okay, well, first of all, that witchcraft is available to anybody, if that's what they choose to do. That there are people out there who are searching for something just like you are. And hopefully you have found a little bit of things you can use for yourself or, as you said, expand new ideas, learn a little bit and come back to it later and discover that, okay, when I read this before, it didn't make sense. And now that I've thought about it a little while, maybe if I read it again, it will. And it does. Good. More than anything else. And as you said, it's a reference for people. It's something to keep and use over and over. That's exactly how I saw it. This has just been so much fun and so interesting. And you guys are doing some very interesting work, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for taking time to talk with me today on Books on Air. It's just been terrific. Well, thank you for inviting me to come. It's kind of exciting to be interviewed. I never (laughs) thought I would grow up to be a writer at 62, but apparently we have. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Now, remember, you can find the tradition of the Path by Elizabeth Chapman and Sue Weber on Amazon. You've been listening to the Books on Air podcast brought to you on webtalkradio.net. You can also hear this podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, as well as Apple Podcasts. I'm Suzanne Harris, and I really hope that you'll join us for the next Books on Air podcast because remember, You never know who's going to be here, and you never know what we're going to talk about. Thank you so much for listening.